0: Hola, amigos. Hello, my friends. This is Deep Dives with Father Sean, the Super Catholic Catechesis Podcast, inspired by the catechism's reminder that times of renewal in the church are also intense moments of catechesis. Got a little Spanish in my blood here today, here. So, uh, hola, hola. Bienvenidos a todos. Welcome to everyone here. Uh, I'm recording this on a really hot day down here in P Town, Poto, America. It's triple digits. It's hot. There's no way around that, and it's not even July yet, so uh, that's what's going on. I'm super excited. Next week, uh, July 4th, I'll be up in Tulsa, and then on July the 5th, we're getting a new seminarian down here, so that's super fun. Uh, Robert Williams coming down to P-Town, so I'm I'm excited to be able to put him to work and help him to just see what rural Oklahoma is like. Uh, I love being down here. This is a super big blessing for me. Love it, love it, love it, love it. All right, my friends, today we're going to continue our, our little series on simple teachings of the revealed God. You know, God reveals himself. It's not like we just are like, well, I wonder who God is. I wonder if what's up there. You know, we don't have to merely think it through. We can think it through. There are proofs of the existence of God. But with minds tainted by sin, you know, who can, <laughs> who can who could have the purity of reason to get there? And so, God, He understands. You know, He's so merciful. He just says, Hey, by the way, behold, here I am. I'm revealing myself. I'm knocking on your door. You can't shut me out. That's what we call revelation. When He makes Himself revealed, He takes away that curtain. So, we've been talking about God as, uh, you know, we started off by talking about God who reveals Himself, God who is all good and love, also totally beyond us and other and all powerful uh we talk about god through creation that we he does reveal himself through creation therefore he is known by our observation powers of of intelligence Uh, we began last time with giving some basic scriptural references to the very core of who God is, uh, that His love is based on these three relationships of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Didn't go into that much. Just kind of hit on some of the, the scriptural background on that. Today we're gonna kind of do a deeper dive. It's still very simple, and you know I think it's actually super fundamental, but we really, really, rarely talk on it. But it cannot be ignored. It cannot be ignored. Um, because it so much influences our salvation and therefore our spirituality. This is the relationship between father and son. I say it's so significant because this relationship is, is uh, sending us salvation by sending us a savior. And the savior is the son. So that's a big deal. But then also through the son, we are adopted into sonship. We're adopted into the relationship of the son with the father. That's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. So we're going to get into this a little bit more details. I don't anticipate this being a super long episode, but hang on. Hang in there with me here. Um, But again, I truly believe it's it's very beautiful. I'll probably begin with a little testimony because I think I will have a little extra time for our 30-minute slot here. All right, brothers, let's and sisters, let us pray in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God, you are good, so good, so generous. Uh, this Trinity of of one God and three persons, we can't really understand who you are, God, except for the fact that you have made yourself understandable. You, you sent Father, you sent your Son into the world, who took on a human body and soul. And it's knowable through him. We can see him and hear him and know him. And therefore, we can know the second person of the Trinity, who then reveals you to us. So we we thank you so much. Uh, Help us to be absorbed in this uh, relationship and be be transformed unto glory through the Son of God. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen hallelujah very good very good so you know here's just a little layout of what what i'll do here today first off I'll, i'll talk about some just general testimony of scripture um the testimony of well yeah so it'll be the testimony of scripture then it'll be the testimony of the eternal father then it'll be the testimony of saint peter just a quick little allusion to him but then what i really want to focus on is the testimony of jesus himself you know his what does his prayer look like? You ever wonder what Jesus' prayer looked like? Well, guess what? <laughs> we can find out. We can find out because it's written right there in the gospel. All you got to do is open it up. So that's super cool. But we don't often do that, do we? So we're going to do that. We're going to do that. And then finally, this it's kind of like part two of the testimony of Jesus. We're going to consider his mission. His mission. That's a big deal. He's essentially the eternal mission of the Father. Mission in the sense of ascending. Um, you know, like a missile goes off because somebody sent it off. Um, you know, I'm sent that on a mission because the bishop sent me on mission, etc. So that's what we're talking about mission. The Father eternally sends his Son. Um, and then we'll just have a brief little bit on St. Paul and then the view from eternity. And then actually, probably at the end, I'll give my testimony. So hang in there to the end, friends. We'll, we'll get interesting and personal. So, first off, the testimony of Scripture. You know, the very center of the life and person of Jesus Christ is his constant communication with the Father or communion with the Father. So everything that we're going to talk about is really aiming at that. It's the very core of revelation, that the Father and the Son are one. And while the Son is in the flesh, that eternal communion is fleshified. It's it's incredible. It's crazy. So that's just the general gist of all these testimonies that I'm going to walk through. So the testimony of the Father, the Heavenly Father, he actually has something to say. Think about the baptism and the transfiguration, both very key times in the life of Jesus. At the baptism, that's the beginning of his ministry. And then the transfiguration is kind of like the beginning of his walk to Jerusalem, to his death, more or less. So he's getting close to Jerusalem where he will die. And so at these two moments, we hear these precious words from above, from the Father, from God, just busting out there. There's only that I can think of one other time in the Gospels where you'll hear that. Um, This is in John chapter 12. Jesus is praying, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again that's what we hear from the God the Father. But the other two occasions that the God the Father speaks is at these two events, pivotal events. And what does he say? Well, he reveals the the identity of this Jesus character. This is my son. One of them says, "In whom I am well pleased." The other one, another one says, "This is my beloved son." But the core of it is the father is pointing to jesus christ and saying hey guys my son's here my son is here my son is here how often do we do we think about those words in that way that the father says hey behold check this out i've given you my son here he is my son my my own flesh and blood um little tangent here because why not Oh, you know, what's the most natural form of altruism? Altruism is giving of oneself. Well, it's the parent-child relationship. You know, even you know spouses practice this, this altruism, but it's more focused on a decision, and you don't always quite feel it um, come up. But when a son or a daughter suffers, the parent has those parental instincts just to jump in there step in front of the bus, you know, or, or, uh, you know, take the brunt of the pain or, or desire to take the pain, maybe not able to do so. So, you know, this is kind of a key thing. So this is why the sonship is so dang important. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, I think of a, of time I visited a newborn in the hospital who was very premature, very premature, who had heart problems, all these different things. And I remember it was very clear to me. Uh early in my priesthood. I walked into the the room there and I blessed the child. And the mother just said, I didn't know that I could love something so much. My heart little my poor little heart broke right there. It was like, Oh my gosh, you oh you can't say this to me. My heart's crying with you. Um yeah. I mean the sonship is what the Father speaks to us of Jesus Christ, the Father and the Son. Now what does Peter say? You know, I'm still staying in the gospel, I'm not jumping to our first Pope's letter. You know, he's got a letter there, got a couple of them. Um, but but the very core of revelation that the Father gives to him is are these words. Matthew sixteen, verse sixteen. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. This is the only time that Jesus asks his disciples who, who he is. And this is what Peter says. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's, it's the big revelation of the Father to Peter to talk about the Son. Because Jesus then says, Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Heavenly Father. And then he goes on to uh, talk about his special role among the apostles. But that is key, you know. The very core of the identity of Jesus is his sonship. And Peter hit it right on the head. He hit the nail right on the head. And he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Pretty awesome. All right, now let's go to Jesus. Let's look at his own testimony. What's he saying about, uh, even before he talks about himself, let's look at this relationship between him and the Father. It's so Beautiful. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. You know, there's not a lot of times when we get a snapshot into the prayer life of Jesus. You know, so often he's going off by himself to pray. Obviously, there's the liturgical prayer of the, the Jewish people that he he attends to devoutly. But, but we do get a few snapshots where this prayer experience is, is opened up for his apostles who then have shared it with us. So just think about this. Here's, here's a few of them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. But not my will, but your will be done. You know, check that out. Those three right there are from just the the suffering and death of Jesus. You know, the first two are on the cross. The the last one was during his the beginning of his passion in the Garden of Gethsemane. But notice, he's addressing the Father in each one of these. He, he uses that word, Father. Father. Father, forgive them. Father, into your hands. Father, if it is possible. Another time he prays, it's when he's raising up Lazarus. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Again, he addresses the Father. The, the greatest of his prayers uh, is this ch- chapter John First, uh, yeah. Excuse me. Ooh. John, chapter seventeen. That's what I want to say. And we hear that word "Father" six times. There's another time in the gospel where he says, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've not revealed to the the wise and learned, but to the little ones." When he teaches us to pray, how does he teach us to pray? Well, he. Our prayer begins, "Our Father." Which is radical because it's not only his father now, but he is sharing his father with our father, and it's not like a father of creation. Like, he doesn't say, "Our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name." He could have done that, I and mean, that would have been very true. But then, he, but it's more intimate. It's more intimate. We don't have a right to this intimacy with God until it's given as a pure gift, until the Son says, "Hey, I'm gonna invite you into my relationship." Because I call God the Father. And I'm going to ask that you do too. Because you're, you're with me. You're in me. You're parts of my body. You're parts of my, my being. You are so close to me that you share my relationship with God the Father. That's so cool. So that's the big testimony of Jesus through his prayer. The other part of his testimony is by his mission. He does not act or preach on his own. The words... That he says the being, that that he is, the mission that he has taken apart, that he is, rather, you know, that he's being sent on, all speaks to the same reality. That it's not his own. You know, he is the eternal God. He's the second person of the Trinity, but it's not his own. You know, he doesn't do things by his own. So we hear a few, I'm just gonna go through a couple of these verses because they're so pivotal, so beautiful, and again, just just honing in on this intimacy between father and son and how that relationship is then made into history because the son is sent it's on he's on mission i did not speak on my own jesus said but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that i have spoken the father sent me commanded me gave me my words Everything I have learned from my Father, I've made known to you. The revelation of who God is begins with the Father. It's communicated to us through the Son. And the Son has some kind of a, a learning of the Father, not a learning that we have just because the, the existence, the being of Jesus is so much more profound and eternal. He is the Word, <laughs> you know, He's the eternal Word. Uh, and like St. Thomas said, uh, after the resurrection, my Lord and my God. We know he's big. So his learning is not going to be like ours. It's like an eternal learning. It's, it's an eternal gazing upon the face of the Father, absorbing who the Father is so radically. It's a learning so radical that he has become what he has learned. He's become the God upon whom he He relates, upon, upon whom he gazes from all eternity. Incredible. He says, all that belongs to the father is mine so there's the father's eternal giving and then there's the son's eternal receiving eternal giving eternal receiving and then he goes on all that i have is yours all you have is mine this is this is the prayer between him and the father This is just, again, that eternal giving, the eternal receiving, the mutual ownership. We can think, well, what are they sharing? What are they they giving? Well, they're giving this love that is so radical and so beautiful, so profound, that it really is divinity. Or maybe we should say, well, what is this divine nature that that the Father is sharing with his Son? Well, it's, it's love. It's love. The prayer of Jesus, again, says... He's praying that they may be as we are one. I in them and you and me. <laughs> you think of those Russian dolls, you know. Uh, I in them and you in me. So we would be like the bigger Russian doll. And then there's a smaller one and then there's the smallest one. Jesus is inside of us. And then inside of Jesus is the Father. That's That's the existence of a Christian. Talk about insanely amazing and gracious and generous. I hope your heart is, is, is warming and being consoled by this, because it's, it's just incredible. The Father has loved the Son, and the Son has received this love, and this love is divine, and so the Son has received the divine nature from forever. It's not like there's a beginning moment, but it's who the Son is. The Son is reception, and the Father is, is pure giving. The son is also returning of the gift. Philip, he says, he's talking about, you know, he's talking to Jesus. Hey, show us the father. We want to see the father. You talk about the father. We want to see him. Can we, who is he? We want to know him. And then Jesus responds, do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? (laughs) How long have you been with me, Philip? He says, and he gets a little bit, oh, it's not quite a frustration, but it might be a rebuke. He's like saying, "Philip, hey, by the way, I've been telling you this. Me and the Father are one. Like, if you see me, you get the Father." Uh, Joseph Ratzinger became before he became Pope Benedict. He has this beautiful quote, and he says that his his being Jesus's, his entire existence is a sending, a mission, a relationship. End quote. And this is clearly the view of Jesus that we have in Scriptures, especially in the this most intimate Gospel of John. It's really incredible. Um, Saint Paul, just quick reference to him, uh, he he leans away from the title of Jesus as Son of God. He, he really doesn't use it too much, but he does at one point because he says that God was pl- pleased to reveal His Son to me. Uh, he also, he's going around in the synagogues and he's and he is the big proclamation is. Quote, he is the son of God, end quote. So St. Paul doesn't lean away from that at all, uh, but it's not like in the forefront. It's not in the forefront, but it still highlights that. So I want to share with you now kind of this view from eternity. You know, I've been talking a lot about Jesus's words or the different witness of scripture, but we can take a step back, think about eternity. You know, eternity doesn't have a timeline. Think about a timeline. You know, It's got a start if you go way on one side of the creation, and it's got an end date You know, way on the other side. And there's all this line of history. But eternity is off that. It sees everything in a glance. It's it's beyond this timeline. So think of that right there. And then there's the Father and the Son who are relating. The Son is eternally the Son. It's not like there was a moment when not, not even a divine moment when the Son began to exist and His eternal nature began to exist. There wasn't a time when the Son um, was sent from all eternity. He was sent here, but this was just a manifestation, a historical manifestation of His eternal sending, His nature of being sending from, from the Father. So, yes, there is a distinction of persons, they have their own relationships. And based on that relationship, there's a unique relationship between Father and Son that is different than the Father and the Spirit, and the Spirit and the Son. And even their relationship together, because the theologians will say that it's the love of the Father and the Son that then spirates into the Holy Spirit, that gives that eternally gives the existence to the Holy Spirit as, a, as its own relationship. So that's kind of cool. So, again, the Father, eternally other, and the Father is eternally begetting, eternally sending, eternally loving. And then there's the Son, who... I said pure otherness. I meant pure fatherness is the Father. And the Son is pure sonness, eternally begotten, eternally sent, eternally being loved. And this external exchange... The son has the full divine nature because the father's not holding it back, um, and it's just the fullness of love. So, you know, this is theology right here. But but let's look at it as the this intimate relationship of father and son. You know, you just can't get any better than that. And when we think of Jesus, let's think about him as the one who's being sent, the one who is sent, the one who is sending, being the nature of being sent, uh, the one who's on mission, who is the mission. And this really struck me as well. Um, I remember in seminary I was reading, I mentioned Ratzinger there, and so I was reading him, and also um, there's a theologian named Hans Urs von Balthasar. He writes, both of them write, uh, you know, Balthasar some people find a little hard to to chew on. He doesn't mind writing in a little bit more uh, visceral terms sometimes or more extravagant analogies perhaps, um, but he also writes very beautifully, and, and is a very very deeply respected theologian. Uh, not to say he's controversy free, but but I you know he just I really benefited from. Him. I certainly don't mind reading him. Uh, but he's super deep, and he, it's hard for the average person to read. I, it's hard hard to make a recommendation to read him. But for someone out there who's interested, dive on in. Also, Ratzinger, you know, he, in my opinion, they are they're buddies. In my opinion, Ratzinger was kind of almost like the interpreter of von Balthasar for the, the average Joe, the average, I don't want to even want to say theologian, because all theologians really kind of have to, to address von Balthasar, I would say. But um, to make it a little bit more accessible for everyone. So he takes this highfalutin theology that might be very beautiful, but might be a little bit inaccessible of von Balthasar, and he kind of boils it down to kind of the to the, the beauty of the, the image, the, the example, the analogy, and he speaks very clearly as well. Uh, not to say von Balthasar does not speak clearly. He certainly does. But Ratzinger is just easier, just I'm not going to lie. So I was reading these guys and um, making my way through it, and it was tough. But when they were talking about the identity of Jesus as the one who is sent, he's the eternal sending. He is the mission. And I got to reflecting on me as... This was before I was a priest, and now as a priest, you know, I, I received this even more profoundly. But as a Christian, as a man baptized, a man lifted into that divine relationship, that Trinitarian relationship, I saw myself as being one with the Son, and that's what we all should recognize. But in seminary, I was like, "Yes, this is it." You know, I felt it in my heart. You know, I just knew it. Like, I am also pure, pure sending. I am my mission. Only because I'm united with Jesus who is that mission. I'm not my own mission. I am the mission that's been given to me by Jesus who's been sent by the Father. And and my life, this was the big impact for me for my spiritual life, is that my life has a mission. And that mission is Jesus Christ. And my mission is of, of salvation because he came to save us. And and I'm just, you know, that's everything. Everything in my life revolves around my mission that Jesus has given to me. And it was really a transformative moment for me just to, to console me, but also to form and establish my identity in Jesus, but also in the mission of Jesus. And it helped me to conform all these different elements of my life to the one principal element of my life. That is to say, the, the divine mission of God, the Son, uh, just incredible. As a baptized man, not even as a priest. Obviously, as a priest, I have more tools, um, more powers, more abilities to be able to accomplish this mission. Uh, that would be unique for a priest and that a layman would not have. But a layman also has other realities, too. Think about the lay world, uh, the, the secular world. You know, God's mission of the Son is for that. The priest is not to go into those contexts of your work, of your school of your family. No. Jesus' mission is there, nonetheless. But it's you who is living that mission, who is embodying that mission. You are the sent one, because you are one with Jesus, and Jesus is sent right there. What is he sent for? To bring about the communion with the Father. That everyone in your workplace, everyone in your home, everyone in your school, everyone in whatever group of friends you have, can be lifted up into that beautiful communion with the Father. I mean, for me, it was just so big. It's like, well, how do I eat my meals? How do I do my prayers? How do I have my friendships? You know, how do I really with my family? What do I do on vacation? Do I pray? Well, absolutely, because on vacation, I still have my identity. That's who I am. I am men. I am mission. I am sent. And that, and it just really was a beautiful thing to keep me focused. And it still is. So I'm just so thankful for that work of grace through this particular snippet of theology and i hope that it benefits you as well that god has given you a divine mission and all dimensions of your life are to be oriented and directed towards this mission this is the gift of piety that we orient all parts of our life to god to god's will to god's plan to god's mission And it affects all the decisions that we make. You know, there's some silly, dumb decisions. But we still do that knowing that God desires me to, you know, turn right here on the street or to go to Walmart and get milk. This is part of God's plan. And when I'm doing that, I'm doing it as the sent one. Because I'm one with Jesus who is the sent one. Capital T, the, capital S, sent, capital O, one the sent one. Jesus is the sent one. And we're one with him. We are sent. We are mission with the true mission, the Son of God. So brothers and sisters, I hope this ent- helps you to enter into prayer. I- helps you to enter into this contemplation of this relationship of father and son. I hope it's not too complicated. It's certainly abstract, but I don't think it's too complicated. And all, above all, I hope that it helps you to to orient your life to your divinely given purpose. Brothers and sisters, peace to you. May Almighty God bless you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Adios, amigos. Bye.